Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode four of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I teased the other day that I was going to have a special guest tonight, and I do. My longtime podcasting partner, Stephen Cook Jr. the third. Steve, how are you? Oh, hey, hey, hey. And you know what, Larry Zonka, since it's episode four, it's only fitting. As we all know, uh, us nerds, us geeks, us uh, ne'er-do-wells, we all know that episode four of Star Wars was A New Hope. There you go. And here I am, The New Hope. <laughs> hey, we print some t-shirts, man. Let's sell them. <laughs> Fantastic. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's good to have you back. We haven't, haven't got the podcast in a very long time, so this, uh, this will be fun. Yes, it will. It'll be a good time. A good time, a great memory. And I got to be honest with you, Larry. And you, you, you mentioned we could talk about this a little bit. And uh, I know for me, it was, a, it was a tough situation a couple months back. I, I was worried about you, man. I, you know, I, I, we all follow Larry Twitter on the, Larry Zonk on the Twitter machine. We all see the updates. And I was, I was pretty scared there for a little bit because I didn't know what the heck was going on with you. It was, it was a hairy situation. And I and I did all I could to fill in for you on the website. You know, I tried to fill in for you on the four one one with the various recaps and whatnot. But man, are we ever so lucky to have you back? That, that's that's a shoot right there, brother. I'm shooting because everybody who everybody who knows four one one who knows the site, we all know uh, it, it ain't it ain't the same without you, man. And I'm just glad that you're you're back at it and you're kicking ass, you're taking names because I just can't imagine this whole place. Without you kicking it, man. Well, thanks, dude. Trust me, I am. I am extremely glad to be back. I, I was, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty much scared too most of the time. So, <laughs> not gonna lie, yeah. I was, uh, it was just, uh, it was a long, little over six weeks there, and um, yeah, I'm just, I'm glad to be home. But uh, things are going good now. I mean, I can, I can get around the house. I mean, uh, I'm like the second sexiest Professor Xavier. I'll give, uh, I'll give Patrick Stewart number one, but I think I could take James yeah. McAvoy. Um, I mean, but, even uh, 98 years old, Patrick Stewart's a sexy man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no, I can get around the house and everything, and it's uh, it's healed up well. I got my uh, got my staples out Monday, All right. and within the next 10 days or so, I'm going to have my first fitting for my socket for my prosthetic, and then two to three weeks after that, I should get the prosthetic which means by about mid-April, I should be mobile, like on there, my feet again. All right. All right. That's good to hear. Good to hear. It's a, it's a really scary situation for us. I mean, speaking for myself as a longtime friend, a longtime fan, and for everybody else out there, we were all, we were all worrying about you, man. It was, it was tough. But we're, all, we're, all, we're also happy you're back. We're also happy you're back, uh, back yapping with a good folk like we're doing tonight. Just... Uh, Kicking butt, talking some shop like the good old days. That's right, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, some some different stuff here in the wrestling world heading into WrestleMania weekend. And uh, first up, Steve Cook, we got Kurt Angle was going to have his retirement match at Mania. They've announced this about under thirty days to the show, and yeah. he has no opponent as of tonight when we're recording this on Sunday night. And I know you penned a column looking at possible Kurt Angle opponents. So yeah. first of all, what do you think about Kurt retiring and, you know, just general thoughts on who we might see? I mean, it's not a surprise that Kurt Angle's retiring to begin with because he's he's been a part-timer since he came back. And I remember back in the day, this is towards the beginning of when we started doing things, back when Kurt Angle uh, first moved on from WWE and went to TNA. There was, do you remember the article on, that we published on 411 from this guy who was convinced that Kurt Angle was going to die in TNA? Remember that? Yeah. He was convinced the man was going to die in that TNA ring, for God's sakes. That did not happen. Kurt Angle had a damn good run in TNA. I think that you and I were only two, two people that saw it, for the most part. But he did some good stuff there. <laughs> and he moved. He eventually got back in the good graces of the McMahon family. And he was the general manager. And he's been a part-timer for, for a while. It's not a surprise that he's retiring. I just think that you're going to announce this 28 days out from WrestleMania. 
I know I know Pittsburgh. It's it's Pittsburgh, so there's a special moment there for that. But I still think you could have done something to build up the guy more than having Ramley show up in Pittsburgh. You're like, hey guys, peace out. I'm gonna retire a few weeks. I'll announce a better next week. Yeah, cool. Hey, remember back when Ric Flair had his retirement match, his first one with Shawn Michaels? Yeah. Was that Rick's first retirement? I think it was. <laughs> Did he have any before that one? I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. Because I know, I mean, Rick was not, he wasn't like Terry Funk who had like 15 retirements. I think Terry Funk still had, a, had got a couple more retirements in front of him. But uh, yeah, I remember when Rick had his big retirement, they made, a, they made a big deal out of it. They made this whole gimmick up where if Ric Flair loses, he has to retire. And they worked this thing for a few months. And even though that, that wasn't even perfect either, but it still meant something at WrestleMania when Shawn Michaels beat the man and put him in the retirement. Here it's just like, uh, yeah, hey guys, I'm retiring, and uh, yeah, there you go, cool. Wow. Yeah, it, if you like, something. like after last year's WrestleMania, you know he did really good in the mixed tag match, and I was like, that and was you know a damn then he did, he, too. yeah, yeah, and then he did some part time stuff, and I was like, you know, if they're gonna use Kurt four or five times a year and get a match out of him, I could see him going a couple years, but as you know, 2018 went on. It's just, I mean, obviously the man is willing. You can see he wants to work. He wants to oh, work. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the body is just falling apart from, I mean, obviously not just a pro wrestling career and, you know, the years of substance abuse, but the fact that how many years was he training to be an elite Olympian, just breaking his own body down and everything. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, it's, it's a shame that I think it's kind of being forced now because I think, you know, like I said, he could have done a couple years of doing, you know, three, four, five big matches a year, but um, it's just, yeah, it's not in the cards now. And I, I'm kind of upset that they're not making a bigger deal out of it. I mean, yeah, people are to go, well, he's not Ric Flair. Well, yeah. I mean, nobody else is Ric Flair, but yeah. you know, he's still Kurt fucking angle, which is really good. And like yes, you said, yeah. I mean, a lot of people want to, you know, shit and laugh and the LOL TNA thing, but he had a great fucking TNA run. He, he really, really did. If, if you ask a lot of people inside the wrestling business, I mean, I don't think that Kurt Angle is that far off from Ric Flair. Not that far off. No, but you're always going to have people because you have the generational fans. And, like, I'm technically part of one of those. Like, I love Ric Flair and everything, but, you know, people are still – there's going to be some people that – are never going to be close to Ric Flair to some people. Yeah. No matter how good Kurt is. And I'm the same guy who's saying that, uh, I'm the guy who's putting the whole talking point out there that the two greatest wrestlers of all time are going to be Ric Flair and Charlotte Flair. That's, that's been my talking point for a while. It's going to be a Flair family. I'm telling you. Well, if WWE has anything to say about it, you're probably going to be right. But, I'm, um, I'm higher in Charlotte than a lot of the internet fans are. So I, I don't know. But uh, you know, speaking of the road to WrestleMania, you know, Kurt has he's going to name his opponent, I guess, here yeah. soon, and we're going to find out. But uh, Kofi Kingston, he's uh he is not having the best road to WrestleMania. He's uh having resistance from Vince McMahon. Vince doesn't see him as, I guess, a money drawing star is the story, and Kofi's only going to get in the Hall of Fame with the New Day because he's not that good and um. <laughs> Kofi has to run the gauntlet here Tuesday on SmackDown to get his WrestleMania opportunity. Steve Cook, your thoughts on the angle so far? There's a lot of stuff to unpack there. I mean, the Hall, we'll get to Hall of Fame business later, I'm sure, because there's some stuff to unpack there as well. But, uh, I mean, Kofi was kind of a thing that caught momentum overnight pretty much. He got inserted into the Elimination Chamber match because Mustafa Ali couldn't go. And... Man, did people in Houston when Kofi wins title. They really did. It was something else. He had a great performance in that match. I give him all credit in the world. And it didn't quite happen for him there. And it seemed like the they were going to put him in the match at Fastlane, which they shouldn't have done that anyway. Because you want to save that for WrestleMania. I get what they were doing there. But then they decided to put him in the handicap match at the bar. And uh, I don't know about you, man. I did not care for that whole business with Kofi versus the bar. It's one of those things that just exists to make these pay-per-views last longer, in my opinion. It's just kind of dead air for me. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that at all. Uh, it was brutal. 
is brutal and made Kofi. I mean, like earlier in the show, like in the kickoff show, they have somebody tell Kofi go over McMahon family dressing room or whatever. And then Xavier and Biggie walk by. Kofi's been sitting out there for like an hour. He's just been sitting there, I guess, waiting. And they just finally barge in, which whatever. But then later on, like a couple segments later, you see Caleb Braxton smart enough to knock on the door. Yeah. <laughs> She's knocking on the door trying to talk shade McMahon. Why didn't Kofi think to knock on the damn door? Huh? I guess he was scared of Vince. He's just going to stand there and wait for somebody to open the door and say, hey, Caleb Braxton smart Kofi Kingston. That's what I got to say about that. And, uh, yeah, so Kofi, he looked like the biggest freaking idiot on that show. Looked like an idiot, looked like a loser. But like I said in my recap of the show, it was in Cleveland, so the Cleveland fans probably identified with it. Idiots, losers, that's Cleveland, right? You're not going to argue with that. I know you won't argue with that. No, I will not. No, you will not. We're we're the two last Browns haters online, I think, Larry. Oh, yeah. I think we're the last ones left. I think everybody else has jumped on a Browns bandwagon since they got uh, Odell Beckham. Oh, I don't know. That's a whole other podcast, I'm sure. But eventually we get to this business with Kofi, and they do the promo on Tuesday. It's pretty good. And they set up this gauntlet match. And, Larry, I have an article on this coming up. I, I, I've already posted in the system. It'll probably go up Monday or Tuesday for 4 and one And... Man, you look at the guys in this gauntlet. You got Randy Orton, a future Hall of Famer, no doubt. Samoa Joe, a uh, best man on the planet. You got the bar, which I, they didn't specify whether it be uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, like a singles or as a tag team. If it's a tag team, it's really bad news for Kofi. And then you got big old Rowan, who Rowan is not as protected as the other guys, but Rowan actually cares about Daniel Bryan. So I think that makes him a bigger threat. So, man, if he survives this, I don't know what to tell you. I, it, it's, it's a build. I'm not saying it's a perfect build. But if you're going to have an underdog babyface contender, you know, it, it, it's a, it, can, it can work. Because we have shown that we can get behind these guys that get made look like shit over and over again. Daniel Bryan can tell you all about that himself from personal situation. He knows about it. This is true. I will say the one thing that I do like and – a lot of people seem to downplay this is the fact that they realized Kofi got hot and they're actually running with it. I mean, how many times do we see someone get hot and a promotion just, they, they don't see it for some reason. And Ron Sherman. Yeah. And then for what, you know, whatever reason you're sitting there, it's like, why are you sitting there with your thumb up your ass and not doing something with the guy when he's clearly over, you know? And like, not everybody is always 100% ready, like you brought up Braun. But Braun was insanely over for a really long time and now feels really cooled off. And now he's not even on the pay-per-view events, and then we don't really mind. <laughs> yeah. So, But I will say I'm glad that they at least went with Kofi and realized what was going on. So um, do you think Kofi has a chance if – you know, if he's getting the, the title match, do you think he is actually going to win at Mania? I think he wins. I, th- I think he beats the new Daniel Bryan. I really do. And I think the new Daniel Bryan, you know, we, we've heard the speculation on whether Daniel Bryan has uh, creative uh, control, has a say, certainly has a say over his character. He's apparently has a say over some of the guys he gets to work with, like possibly Mustafa Ali and things like that. If Brian has any kind of say, I think he would have Kofi win. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that Kofi would be an amazing story to win. And just, you know, I don't think a lot of people expect it. I think a lot of people hope. But, you know, it's that it, it goes back to WWE booking. Will they actually pull the trigger? And if he's getting the match, I mean, I kind of hope so. Even if it's a short transitional reign, yeah. Just for the fact that, because how many times do we talk about guys that were never world champion in one of the bigger companies? You know, like Kurt Henning, Roddy Piper. You see these guys that never got the big world title in WCW. Well, Jake yeah. yeah, WWE. Yeah, Jake. And yeah, I mean, if you even you, you look at TNA, guys like Monty Brown and Christopher Daniels oh. were both hot at various times. I'm going to start on Monty Brown. Oh, oh goodness. God, I, I miss Monty's. <laughs> 
apparently, like, uh, mm. apparently he was at a show not too long ago, like really? with some people, and just like, um, I guess a bunch of fans ran into him. And were just like, he was like the nicest fucking dude in the world. I believe. Still, so, he's and still that's, looking um, shape. Is what I'm yeah. Mm. But um, you know, Monty, unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, I, I believe his sister had died. Yeah. And um, he uh took custody of her children, which is why he quit. So I mean. Yeah, you know, kudos to the man for walking away from the money and something he he really loved wrestling. Yeah, the, and that happened once he got to WWE slash ECW. So, uh, the the part we took issue with was when TNA saw the money there sitting right in front of them and they just ignored it. Yeah, the worst part was is like I understood the first time he lost the title match. I was like, okay, because. You can design a story because he got cheated. He got fucked by Jared. Yep. And then like three weeks later, they turned him heel. Yeah. Three weeks later, he joins Planet Jared. It's <laughs> the old heel cool off run, which uh, we saw later on with uh, with Braun Strowman, who we mentioned earlier, who uh, turned he ran randomly turned heel. Unfortunately, it's right before Roman Reigns had the peace out. So it's just bad timing all the way around. But even if there wasn't that whole situation, it was still the wrong fucking move. Yeah. It very much was, but um, so yeah, so I, I miss Monty. He's we do. like I said, oh. he seems like a good guy. Yeah, I got to see him live a couple times, and um, <laughs> yeah, just really fun dude. But uh, next up, Steve, uh, something that a lot of people don't seem to pay attention to at times, we have a lot of NXT talent working outside of WWE, working for Evolve, Progress, WWXW. Um, you know, and a lot of people forget that NXT is still a developmental territory. Yes, it is a third brand, but we're still developing a lot of talent. I feel like so, he forgets that sometimes, too, to be honest with you. Exactly. So I know you don't get to follow a lot of these other promotions, but just generally speaking, what are your thoughts on the NXT talents getting to work these shows? I think it's great. Uh, I, I've always said that the more that these talents can work, the better. Uh, the more ring time they can get. It's all when you're at that stage where you're in de- when you're developing. It's all about working more shows. That's why back in the day, uh, back when OVW was the main developmental territory, that's why Jim Cornette had them run those arena shows in the Louisville area, or maybe like you know 50 people might have been there. But you st- they'd still get some time to work in front of a crowd, even if it's not the biggest crowd. And these guys, uh, I, I, Walter, I know Walter's, uh, he's huge in Europe, and it's, it only makes sense to have him work in progress in WXW and places like that. And uh, for guys here in the States, guys like Adam Cole, guys like Kyle Riley, Velveteen Dream, you know, those guys, it only makes sense from working Evolve, the gay promotion, that the, the Gabe Sapolsky promotion, our, our good friend. Um, he, he's a, he's, he works for them, right? He works for WWE. He's got some kind of deal with them, right? He's yep. making money. Yeah, he's got to deal with them. It's interesting how they do. His, they got Gabe there, and you see Mike Quackenbush there. He's. It feels like he's at the PC pretty often, right? Quackenbush, like he's. Yeah, he, he's been on there quite a bit doing uh doing uh guest coaching stints and working, working with, with Alexa, Alexa Bliss. Bliss a lot. Uh, it seems like Alexa Bliss is only allowed to wrestle with Mike Quackenbush. <laughs> well, I mean, apparently she's extremely fragile still, and. They don't want anybody hurt. The Quack's only safe worker, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about people who are safe workers, yeah. I mean, you know, Quack had has had his various injuries and developed that, you know, to that himself, really European yes. style and stuff, and he's very safe. So, because he, yeah, he don't want to hurt himself. He injures himself. He doesn't injure anybody else. <laughs> he's had plenty of injuries himself. He doesn't injure other people, but uh, so that's the deal there. Um, it only makes sense for these guys to work uh, these other promotion when it makes sense, when it doesn't uh, go against NXT bookings or whatever else they might have going on at the time. So, and it's a great thing for those promotions like WXW over in Europe. I remember back when the whole NXT UK thing started, the whole the the English uh, PC, and there's a lot of hubbub about uh, the guys over there not not being allowed to work for other promotions, but. I guess they're allowed to work for some. Is that the they're deal? allowed to work for? They work um, for some. The ones that they basically can... WWE greenlit slash affiliated companies like Progress WXW. Okay, but yeah, but then some of the other smaller promotions can't get them now, so they're all hot and bothered about it. Well, it depends on your contract because there are apparently like three levels of contracts for the UK guys. 
like British strong style. Now they're, they're on like the A level contract. So it's like, they have to work only shows that are green lit slash, you know, affiliated with WWE. The shows have to have ambulance and medical personnel. And like, there's like a whole list of shit that they have to do it. Um, Arnold furious over at, um, his site rear view reviews. Um, he, he did a British roundtable podcast with his friends and they broke it down a while ago, but apparently there are different tiers. So some of the real low tier guys can still work a lot of places, okay. but the higher tier guys are basically WWE's goal is to reduce dates for those guys because they worked a lot heading into getting signed. Yeah. Especially yeah. like a guy like Ligero who was working like 9,000 matches mm-hmm. a year. That's one thing, and the the whole added dates, which I mean, more dates means more money, but there's also the issue that I think a lot of these indie guys face, where the more dates that work, the more impact is put on their bodies, and you see some of these guys breaking down once they get to WWE, like uh, our good friend Tommaso Ciampa. I mean, the man had a serious injury, and then he came back from that, and he had a great run as NXT champion, and, and that's been Kaputsky thanks to this neck injury. And it's and a lot of it's due to the wear and tear he put on his body trying to get the WWE. So yeah, I, I talked. I, there's I, not a perfect I, solution to it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I talked about that on my last show because I always feared that he would kind of end up like Nigel, to where he would get too yeah. broken down before he really hit the big time. That's an and, example right there. Yeah. And then a lot of people forget that when he had the knee injury and he went out. Everybody thought it was just a knee injury, but he had like three different surgeries when he was out. He had a knee issue, a shoulder issue, and something else I don't remember. But he had multiple issues from, again, like you said, expending himself on his road to WWE. But talking about the guys working the other places, I'm a big fan of it. You had a lot of the evolved loyalists who got upset right away, and they they brought in Fabian Eichner and the Street Profits, and they won titles right away. But the fact is, like, Fabian Eichner is a really good worker. He wasn't being used in NXT at all. So you need to get that guy some ring time outside the the fucking Florida, you know, coconut loop. So he was working with some good guys. The Street Profits actually really grew in their short time. It looks like they just wrote him out on the last show because they they won a six-man, and then after the match, the, uh, the new faction, the Unwanted, which is Shane Strickland, Eddie Kingston, Joe Gacy, and Colby Carino, beat uh, Montez Ford down, and then they did what, the... What? the uh, that's a group of talent right there. <laughs> <laughs> they, a group they, they, of they, varying talent right there. Yeah, but uh, they did a broken arm spot for uh, Montez Ford, so mm. I think that might have been their write-up. Is he going to sell on NXT TV? Or next time he shows up, he's going to have the, the old bro- Cowboy Bob Orton gimmick? <laughs> Probably not. So. Yeah, but, that would um, be good. He should sell it. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm um, like, Velveteen Dream worked this weekend. He uh, wrestled Orange Cassidy and then wrestled in the six-man. That motherfucker walked out there, dude. I mean, you want to joke about the Road Warrior pop and everything? <laughs> Velveteen Dream, dude, walks out. Oh. And, I mean, they were sold out. I can out imagine. Boom. I and, can imagine. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the LaBoom New York crowd is always a really good crowd, but they went fucking nuts for him. And they Dream. were singing his entrance music. And Dream is just, an over motherfucker. He is. Yeah. So, um... But even Dream, because he had limited indie experience before getting signed. So even the fact that he's working a lot of really good guys in NXT because he's got to face higher-level guys. But even the fact that he's getting to work some extra shows is nothing but good for him. Plus, when you have these talents working the shows, it's helped Evolve's ticket sales. It's helped Progress's ticket sales. Helped WXW's ticket sales. So again, it's good for these promotions. And I know that the... um, the uh, big story everybody talks about is WWE is just biding their time so they can crush these companies. Mm. I don't think it matters whether they crush companies or not, quite honestly. Well, I, don't, is, I don't think that affects their bottom line either way. Well, no, it doesn't. But the f- thing is, WWE has apparently, according to reports, has agreements with like Progress and WXW and other places that like they have an option that they can buy the promotion at some okay. point. And then, like, their video library and shit. So I can eventually see it down the line. But, WXW is quite the tape library. Yeah. They had a lot of shows there over the years. Yeah. Long but the thing there. is, right now, I mean, I don't see... 
because like this is like the Triple H territory thing. He is a big believer in trying to you know get the territories back in a way, and sure. I think that's how he sees it. Because that was the thing, you know, you had the territories, and then guys could work in a place if they got stale, if they stopped getting over, or the Booker changed, they could just move on to somewhere move else. On, yeah, that's why, I, like on NXT um, UK, I like occasionally when random NXT talents pop up. Because if they're not being used regularly on TV, why not get them on the network and get them some ring time? I, I don't see a negative in this. If you're not using Deanna Perrazzo on TV, you know, she had a match with Tony Storm a while back. Stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I think these are good things. And, I mean, yeah, Evolve isn't technically what Evolve used to be. But the thing is, it keeps changing anyway. Gabe has had to constantly reinvent the company because of guys coming in and guys leaving and, you know, style wise it's changed and it's just what happens. It's, you know, it's the indie wrestling business. It's the what promotion, the promotion is named evolve and it's yeah. had to evolve and that's exactly what it's done. But yeah, but that's, what, and that's exactly what, you know, ROH has had to do over the years. You know, every time they start building up and you get all these guys, you know that you know in recent years, move on. Yeah. look at the guys they lost: Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Keith Lee, the War Raiders. I mean, giant list of people. I mean, they, and these were top, mostly top of the card talents, former world champions. You know, yeah. I mean, Elgin left for New Japan. Yeah, got pissed with the company, but I mean, you have all these guys that leave, so they've constantly had to reinvent their roster too. And I think they've done a good job right now because you know they brought in like PCO and Brody King. They're using some more of the New Japan guys like uh, Juice Robinson. They signed Mark Haskins, uh, Bandito. They have Rush now, Roosh. Roosh. Um, yeah, so it's um, they're doing you know they're doing what they have to do, and they had to because when you lose access to Cody and the Young Bucks, who were a big part of the growing attendance and numbers, yep, you have to bring in fresh, fresh talent. So um, yeah, I mean kudos to. WWE for letting some of the talents do that stuff. And speaking of that, actually, Kyle O'Reilly is going to be working the, I believe it's the April 4th Evolve event, challenging for the Evolve title. So Kyle O'Reilly is returning to Evolve now. That's good. And speaking of ROH real quick, and uh, I wanted to tell you, earlier when you were talking about guys who were broken down on the indies, I just wanted to mention a guy in ROH who I had seen recently, Dalton Castle. Oh, my God. God. That poor man. I saw him. I saw clips of him working against. Uh, I think it's Will Osprey, possibly. I think he had a match with Osprey somewhere in like New Japan or something. And that poor man just looked in such horrible shape. Not, not like you know, not cosmetically. He just looked. It looked like he had a tough time getting around. The poor guy. Ugh. He he is, and a lot of people aren't talking about it. But the thing is, when he went down with those injuries. I, I think it's a case of coming back too soon. He came back wearing the leg brace and the back brace. He's still wearing the back brace. Yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't look like himself. He doesn't have his core strength to um, shot to shit. He doesn't have the same power on the suplexes. And he just yeah he doesn't look like the same guy. And people think I'm saying it to be mean. It's like no. I'm like it's honestly I'm concerned at this point because it's like should you really be working if you're still that you know injured and i mean you just you feel bad for that guy because you wish that he wish he could get a shot with a larger company maybe got some more money before his body completely broke down on him exactly but um yeah it's it's a shame for sure i i hate to see it because obviously super charismatic guy and everything he is a very charismatic still a very charismatic guy i mean he's got a great character but uh it looks like his body's failing him and it's sad to say yeah, and that, honestly, I said the same thing the other day about uh, Hamna in, uh, in New Japan because mm. he, he worked this, like, 20-minute match with Tai Chi, and it wasn't a good match, but he just looked shot. And, I mean, he came back from his injury and everything, and it's it's a great story. But when the tag league came around and he didn't team with Makabe, I told everybody, I'm like, that's a bad sign because <laughs> if he can't even work the tag league, yeah. I mean, where they take it really easy – I mean, that's not good. But let's move on to what should be a happier topic, Steve Cook. Harlem Heat yeah. is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. They were the hometown boys. They were the latest announced. And um, general thoughts on Harlem Heat as a tag team. 
Uh, my general thoughts on Harlem Heat as a tag team. I mean, it, it was a tough time. You and I both watched WCW back in the day. And let's be honest, once Eric Bischoff took over, he didn't really give a crap about tag teams. I think we all know that. So I think it's all pretty much common knowledge. Uh, and Harlem Heat was always, was always one of his tag teams where one guy was a lot more talented than the other. Like Booker T was always considered like the top guy in that, in that team. I think even going back, we all kind of noticed that. And the one th- I, I enjoyed Harlem Heat, don't get me wrong. They had some great brawls. Ugh. There was a time period with them and Nasty Boys and Cactus Jack and Max Payne. Oh, great, great brawls. Good stuff. Sister Sherry. They better give a shout out Sister Sarah, Sherry. You know what I'm saying? They better, dude. They better give her a shout out because she had a lot to that team back in the day. But. I think the main, I mean, the main criticism about Harlem Heat going in, and I understand this, is that uh, Booker T's already in, right? Yep. Yeah, Booker T already made it in as a singles guy, but now we're going to put him in again as a tag team guy with his uh, yeah, less talented brother. Let's, let's, be, I, and I have no, I have no hate in my heart for Stevie Ray. I did call him over on the chair shot about the Stevie Ray's top accomplishments. And I will, I will say that Stevie was Ray's number one brand, being Booker T's brother. Um, no, it's about his commentary career, which I thought he was a better commentary than Booker T. That's there you <laughs> go. <laughs> which I, I think I saw somewhere today that WWE is going to upload the whole run of Thunder onto the network. So I'm, I'm happy about that. We'll get to see all this great 2000 Thunder with Stevie Ray commentary. I'm, I'm pretty excited, pretty jacked about that. But uh, it's. It, it's it's a it's a thing. I don't get too worked up about the, about these things. The Hall of Fame. I think we all. I think you and I and a lot of people agree at this point. The WWE Hall of Fame is pretty much it's a TV show. It's a TV show. You have the main event guy, which is this year's DX. Then you have some mid carders. You have some stuff. You have some slots to fill. You got the women's slot. Got the tag team slot. You got uh, you know the minority slot. Which uh, Harlem Heat kill uh, he they have two slots there, so it works pretty well for them. And they're also hometown guys from Harlem, New York. They're not, but don't tell Vince that. Don't don't tell don't mention them to Vince. Vince, Vince probably thinks, thinks they York are boys. from Harlem. Actually. Oh, exactly. That's why I figure. I figure that Vince thinks they're from Harlem, and Booker T's not going to say anything about it. He's going to be a two-time Hall of Famer. Pretty much, yeah. He's gonna, Booker T's going to have the two Hall of Fame rings. He's going to have Paul Bosch's old ring. He's going to have so much bling on that hand. Good Lord. Well, be that'll crazy. be good when he throws up the five-time world champion thing. He'll look like he's one of the Patriots or some shit. You know? He is Tom freaking Brady is what he is, Booker T. I, I'm not hating on Booker T at all for being a two-time Hall of Famer. I'm not sure it was... I'm not sure he would have made it there past some other people, but, uh, you know, I'm, it is what it is. I used to say that a lot. Remember that? You did. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what, what, what do we got? We got DX, the Honky Tonk Man, Tori yeah. Wilson, and Harlem Heat. Tori Heath. Wilson. So, they're, they're, that's quite the collection of talent. <laughs> Much like the uh, that faction you're talking about in Evolve, it's quite the collection of talent. <laughs> Varying levels of talent. And, uh, yeah, Tori Wilson, there's another one right there. How do, how do you feel about Tori going in? Do you have an opinion on that? I mean, I, I generally, I try not to make a big deal about the WWE Hall of Fame because to me it doesn't really mean anything. It's it's whoever Vince wants in that year. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Tori Wilson, with all due respect, I don't mean to sound crude, she is a beautiful woman and a hot piece of ass, and I'm sure Vince was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? There you have it. She's still I dating, mean, she's not dating A-Rod, but may Vince still thinks she is. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she's she's still gorgeous and in great shape and everything. And I mean, you know, more power to her. She's, I mean, again, like my only thing is, is like, it doesn't mean anything to me, but you can tell with a lot of these people, it means a lot to them. It does. And I think that that's great. And if it means a lot to them, then that's all that matters. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's a TV show. Yeah. It's, it's content for WrestleMania weekend. They sell, you know, Whatever the building holds, twelve thousand tickets. They make some money. You know, it's it's all part of the presentation. And I mean, I, I don't. It's not like people get mad. They think like I have this thing against it. It's just I don't think it's like a big arguing point. Like I, I told you when we were talking before, 
um, like the other day. I'm glad China's going in just so I can stop fucking hearing people <laughs> bitching about China going in. But then China's got to be a two-time Hall of Famer now. That's that's going to be the whole thing now. They're going to say, oh, she needs to be in for an individual career. Let me ask you a question, Larry. Let me ask you a question right here. Um, when was the last time you watched the full Hall of Fame induction ceremony? Um, it's been a couple years because I, um, I'm usually reviewing shows. I think it's an unwatchable show, to be honest with you. It's been years upon years upon years since I've watched, uh, uh, I don't, I'm the the last time I saw an induction speech, to be honest with you, because I just got tired of hearing those fans out there chanting, one more match, one more match, you know, that, that kind of nonsense. So to me, it, I only, I saw it for a while and it just it got to be too much for me. And you know I love the old school wrestling. I love watching the old stuff, but I'm not going to sit through a bunch of speeches so people can yell one more match, one more match, and, uh, and that kind of nonsense. Yeah, I, I tend to I tend to go back like people like if I see like online or in the comments of the review of people like really put over a speech, I'll go back and like watch one, but. I cannot tell you the last time I watched a whole ceremony because like I said, I'm usually reviewing shows and stuff and I'll because be there's like 18,000 shows every WrestleMania weekend now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be reviewing the, uh, ROH new Japan show the night of the hall of fame. So yeah. So, God. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what, see what that has to offer. But you got to watch of- Jay lethal and Matt Taven go 60 minutes there. <laughs> <laughs> Was that better or worse than what you expected there? Yeah, someone asked me because I was dreading Taven winning the title. And they're like, what would you have preferred? Taven <laughs> winning the title or watching that 60 minutes? And I was like, well. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, and I did not see that show. But I'm just thinking I, there's not. I, I have better things to do with 60 minutes in my life than watch Jay Lethal and Matt Taven. And with all due respect to Jay Lethal, who is a heck of a talent. I, I don't I don't deny the man's talent. He's a great wrestler. Uh, he's got good charisma, but him as a champion just does nothing for me in 2019. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. And I'm not saying Matt Taven would either. <laughs> I am saying I don't want to watch a damn 60 minute match with those two. Yeah, it it was rough in the middle. I'll tell you that. Like it it hit right around 30, and all I could think I'm like, they're oh, gonna God. fucking go 60. They're working the Broadway. They're doing the dragon matches. <laughs> And then, like, I, I looked on Twitter, and everybody's like, holy shit, they're going 60. It's like, oh, no. I'm like, don't say that. I'm like, I'm like hoping they're not. But oh, well, okay. Now, now the question pops in my head. Was that a better or worse ROH title 60-minute draw than the uh, Austin Aries-Tyler Black one at that final battle? I don't remember that match, to tell you the truth. That was brutal. <laughs> I think it's Aries and Black. I, uh, it was Black and somebody that went 60. I think it's Aries. It, it might have been. I just I don't remember. But speaking of WrestleMania weekend, Steve. Yeah. We obviously have the big WrestleMania show. And um I saw some report that there's like rumored to be seventeen fucking matches. <laughs> That's like five weeks of TV, isn't it? Uh yeah, yeah. So um as of now, what you know about the WrestleMania card. What is your general excitement level for this show? I'm excited for to see a couple things. I mean, I I do think that eventually we'll get that Kofi Bryan match. I think that'll be fun. Um, you know, you got Angle retiring. I think that'll be something of a deal. Um, as much as I don't like the build for Charlotte and Becky and Ronda, I am interested in seeing that match. Beyond that. <laughs> Beyond that, um, and it also comes back to the fact that uh, I will do some kind of recap for these sites. And there's nothing I hate more in 2019 than sitting through hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of wrestling, which I would not have said if I was 20 years younger. But now, <laughs> I just, I, I just, am, I'm waiting for it to be over. To be honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going. For it to be over. Yeah, I'm going in cautiously optimistic, but um, I just um, there's some stuff I'm looking forward to, and there's a lot of talent on the card. There's a lot but of talent. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not talent. looking forward to something like 
15 to 17 matches. I just think that's fucking ridiculous. And especially when you look at the TakeOver New York card, which on paper is just like such a sexy fucking card. It really is. I I took a look at that myself. And uh, I I try to avoid spoilers and whatnot, but I took a look at that card. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm like absolutely thrilled to talk. I I talked about that. And they'll be done within like, what, three hours probably at the Maris? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, the thing is, is like you look at that match. And honestly, like pretty much almost, I'd I'd say every match has a chance to be the best match on the show. They're all, it's it's like filled with good shit up and down the card. And I'm just, I am like greatly looking forward to that show. Um, You know, I'm I'm getting excited for the uh, ROH New Japan show and don't have a full card yet, but you know, there's some good stuff on that so far. And uh, be curious to see what Evolve puts on that week too. Because uh, they've been a mixed bag over Mania weekend the past couple of years. Like, some great matches, but not, like, the best complete shows. So, I don't think I'm reviewing 900 shows this Mania weekend, but... Uh, you guys yeah, stick to, to all, all killer no fillers? What are you going to try to do? Yeah, like, oh, I'm going to do... WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to do Evolve and the Evolve Super Show, or the WWN Super Show. I'm going to do the, uh, the Impact pay-per-view, which... The Impact pay-per-view actually looks really good. Which one is that? Is that the... Is that United yeah. with Standards? Okay, yeah. I've heard things about that one. Yeah, like the weakest I, thing. Sabu and RVD? Oh. Yeah, like the weakest the thing... Bros? Okay. All right. Yeah, the, we, the weakest <laughs> thing on the card is Tessa Blanchard and Joey Ryan. You got like a four-way for the women's, which looks okay. You have an Impact versus Lucha Underground eight-man tag. Quick yeah, question all- on the Tessa and Joey Ryan thing, because that is the whole deal. Where I saw that uh, apparently the original idea was Tessa versus Eli Drake, and Drake did not want to do it. Yeah. Why is Why much. is Tessa working men? First of all, well, what's what's is that is that like the thing that they're doing? No, because they're I think it's just because she's out of the title picture right now, and they just wanted her on the car, and she's worked in her gender before. Huh. I think it's kind of funny that Eli Drake was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing this intergender bullshit." Well, I mean. I I personally am not uh, I'm not as big on it as a lot of people are I and I think we're trying to avoid talking about Joey Ryan and Priscilla Kelly, aren't we? I mean, we don't want to talk about that. Okay, that's a bad care. piece of business. That's a bad piece of business there. But uh, I mean, I did a I, I'm gonna go and plug my stuff right now on thechairshot.com. I think uh, either Monday or Tuesday I will have a column about some forgotten woman from DiceW. I think you know the whole Tori Wilson in the Hall of Fame thing. So I figured I'd go ahead and go over some of the other forgotten women. And I mentioned Gorgeous George. Remember Gorgeous George, Macho Man's uh, uh, young girlfriend. That that whole story is amazing because for people that don't know, Randy Savage got the rights <laughs> to the Gorgeous George. Yes. <laughs> and then he got his brother, Leaping Lanny <laughs> Poffo, signed for like two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yes. And then. Lanny was supposed to use the name and basically do an updated version of the classic Gorgeous George character. And then WCW... It would have sucked. Oh, it probably would have, but yes. So, But then WCW never brought him in, and they paid him for like 18 months. So since they weren't going to use Lanny, (laughs) Randy Savage brought in a hot piece of ass, gave her the name Gorgeous George, and then like he had the whole... Team Macho with a uh, you had a uh, Team Madness. Ball. It was Medusa yeah, Team Mad- and Medusa. Mona, Miss Madness. Yeah, Miss Madness. Yeah, who uh, later on went to went on to be Molly Holly. So yeah. some and good stuff there. George, uh, but the reason yeah. I mentioned Gorgeous George in, in this whole conversation, I just wanted to put over her intergender match with uh, Little Nate Charles Robinson. Remember that? <laughs> uh, I think it was Slambury, nineteen ninety nine, and it was. Yeah, it, it was them doing Macho Man, Ric Flair moves. It was fucking tremendous. See, intergender can be awesome. It can be, it can be funny. You don't have to throw up on each other. You don't have to, you know, try to fuck each other. Whatever they try to do these days. I don't know. Just do Macho Man, Ric Flair moves. It works. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of it. Like, I've seen stuff I really like. Like, 
like years ago when we went to a Chikara show, I saw like this great 20 minute quack, uh, Sarah Del Rey match. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so good. The funniest part of the match was quack. Just, he wasn't healing it up, but this, this was like months after the BDK angle ended. So he's just like tying her up in knots and then she's making the ropes and then he keeps knocking her hands off the ropes and tying her up. And Hannah, who's just like, the greatest little mark at the time. Yeah. Yell, stop hurting her. And he yells back, Do you think I forgot the last year and a half? Or something like that. <laughs> so Quack was ah. taking no prisoners. That Quack's was a great weekend because I saw yes. Quack and Sarah Del Rey on night one. And then night two in Tennessee, we saw Sarah Del Rey and Kana, who mm. is Oscar, which was a great match. And Kana kicked her so hard, her kick pad flew off. And then she kept kicking her. <laughs> and now I'm trying to remember, did Kana go on to become Asuka? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I thought so. I was just trying to make sure for a second. So, but yeah, we, uh, yeah, but yeah, intergender is really weird because it's like, sometimes it's just like stupidly over-sexualized. And then you have the shit to where I think sometimes the woman wants to prove that they can stand up to the guy. And then you get this really awkward match where the guy looks like he's really beating the shit out of her. Like, yeah. not in a believable pro wrestling way. Like, he looks like he's beating the shit out of her, and that turns a lot of people off. Look at his shooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't need that. But, um, but yeah, it's like that's like the only thing on the card I'm not so much looking forward to. I'm fascinated to see RBD and Sabu in 2019. Uh-huh. I don't expect them to be any good. No. I still expect any time for Sabu to hit Air Sabu and turn into dust when he hits the guy. I mean, I, well, we saw Sabu and botched a couple weeks ago where he went up, uh, he springboarded onto the rope, and then he was just like, oh, no, 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 I'm not doing that. <laughs> it got it got a little crazy. It got the, the rope show a little loose. Like mm, I'm gonna jump onto the apron and kick the guy there. Yeah, I, I hope I can't believe me. Sabu's still working in 2019. I know. How is that even how many how many drugs must that man be on? Jesus. I don't well like think about RBD too. He's done <laughs> interviews where he's talked about like he can't get signed by WWE or anybody because he has like concussion issues and an issue with his eye from sure. just taking shots to the head and shit all these years. Yeah. Like, but like we're still gonna book him wrestling. Yeah, and- sure. <laughs> I mean, I get what they're doing. It's mania weekend. They're they're trying to sell tickets. And you have you have people that are going to see Rob Van Dam and Sabu and go, absolutely shit. I remember those guys. Damn right. And, but um, yeah, I'm just I'm just fascinated to see what the hell they're going to do. But like the Lucha Brothers are really fucking awesome. And then it's like, yeah, I have no clue what the other two guys are going to do. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, it could be a complete train wreck. But yeah, but no, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that cartoon. There's an ultimate X match. There's a monster's ball with Sammy Callahan and Jimmy Havoc. And so, and, oh, Rich Swan versus Yamato from Dragon Gate as well. Oh, wow. Yamato. Man. Yeah. I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah. There's a, there's like, I think there's like six to eight Dragon Gate guys coming in for Mania weekend and they're working like the WWN Super Show and some other stuff. So, um, hey, I, I give full credit to Impact for scoring a Dragon Gate guy, especially. Because Swan worked Dragon Gate, so that's a that was a yeah. smart. I mean, we remember back when Dragon Gate guys used to steal the show every year on WrestleMania weekend on these ROH shows. Yeah, it was Dragon Gate Six Man's back in the day with Chima and all these guys. Yeah, and that's what really put ROH and the outside promotions on the map for Mania weekend was you had everybody talking about these insane matches with the guys from Japan coming in, and it's just like. You know, people were like, well, shit, there's other stuff besides WrestleMania. <laughs> and then every indie promotion under the sun came came along and joined in. Well, we've seen over the past couple of years, <laughs> it's slowly started to cannibalize itself because <laughs> itself because you've seen these shows that like look they, they look like they have good attendance and then it's a mixed bag. But you know what? You gotta love Joey Janela. That motherfucker. Yeah. Keeps selling on his shows. Oh, he does. And he, has, he has to do two shows this year. Nice. He's got. <laughs> so he was smart enough. He was smarter than WWE. 
who can't do a WrestleMania night one, night two. He's doing Joey Janela night one, night two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that he's a, a smart. He should he two. should have all the con money. Come on now. <laughs> Screw Cody Young Bucks. Give Janela all the money. I'm really into. You know what I'm interested to see is like people have talked about it for years. If WWE would ever split WrestleMania, and I think that they may. I think if they see how the New Japan does next year, because they're yeah. they're running two days at the Dome. Mm, that's next right. Year. So I think that if I think if New Japan does really well with that, I mean I think there's a chance WWE thinks about it. I'm surprised I'm, they haven't already figured out and we could run two stadium shows. Yeah, I mean you would think so. I mean, but um, yeah, I think there's definitely a chance they consider it because they're making so much bank when they go to these cities. Plus, they're making so much for the cities yeah. that, like, if you tell the city, "Yeah, we're going to do Saturday and Sunday," you know, mm-hmm. we're going to fifty thousand people or whatever in the stadium each day. I guess you could do. Uh, you know, you have. Uh, well, I mean, SmackDown is going to be Fridays pretty soon, so you could do NXT Takeover on Thursday night, do a hot SmackDown on Friday. I don't know. My work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna. It'll be interesting to see how they work the SmackDown because when SmackDown used to be on Thursdays before Mania, they used to tape like one or two matches, and then they would show like live via satellite. Yeah, you'd have the people at access. Yeah, I remember that. So I I, um, might be something like that. I would think, but honestly, what they should do is because they always bring in like a ton of the NXT guys, and they always do live matches at access. Yeah, I think SmackDown for Mania Week should be like all from Access. Might as well make the hey, yeah, might as well put the, some NXT Takeover matches there. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, and, and not even so much the Takeover match, but like if you know, there's so much talent on in NXT. If you got guys that aren't on the Takeover card, or you bring in some of the UK guys and like some of the 205 Live guys, and just mix it up and do like a, a special night of matches. You know, then you keep shooting the access and you air all the video packages for Mania and stuff. I mean, I think that works. I think so, too. It's uh, it, it's making a little too much sense, quite honestly. Yeah, which is probably why they won't do it. Yeah, yeah. I've learned gonna... that over the years. Every time we I have, up... We're going to have an 11-hour WrestleMania Wednesday, so what's going to happen? <laughs> oh, please don't. Don't tell me that, dude. I you, know, remember, you remember back when they had WrestleMania all day long back in 2000 when they had the very long pre-show that recapped all the history of WrestleMania. Yeah. And remember, and I remember being like 16 years, years old and liking it because, Hey, I'm getting to see the history of WrestleMania. Good God. <laughs> well, I guess I, thing, I don't know. The thing for me is that WWE for as financially a successful company as they are every year with WrestleMania, for the most part, it feels like they don't know how to pace the show. It's laid out weirdly, and it's just the pacing always fear, makes the show feel longer than it actually is. I think a lot of their shows have a problem. Oh yeah, but I mean, especially Mania. I mean, because Mania, you're all you're you're starting at five, and you're yeah. going to go to eleven, so you're already scheduled for at least six hours. And then to, they've gone to they went to midnight last year, didn't they? I think so, and that's what I was going to say. And then there's the yeah. chance they go to midnight. So, I mean, you're looking at six to seven hours. You have to have a, a strongly paced show to not make it feel that long. And everybody always goes, I never hear you complain about Wrestle Kingdom. It starts at 2.30 a.m. Okay, well, maybe that should tell you something that if I wake up at 2.30 a.m. <laughs> and recap a show till 8 a.m. and I don't complain about it feeling badly paced or long, <laughs> that they did something that- right. That should mean that they had a good show and actually did things correctly, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's just like a pacing thing. And like like I like like Evolve every once in a while, Gabe, because he was like a Heyman protege, he does a lot of Paul Heymaning to yeah. where like like last night's show, they did a women's match to open the show and um Priscilla Kelly wins and then Anthony Henry comes out and he acts like he's gonna beat her down. And then Darby Allen makes the save. And there's your and next then, match. Yeah, and then they yeah. go right into the next match. Classic so, ECW pay-per-view stuff, yeah. Exactly. So right then, it's like the women's match was like three minutes long. The angle was like a minute or two. And then they worked like a 10-minute match or something like that. 
So it's like, you know, you're not even 20 minutes in. You've had two matches and an angle that played off previous shows and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's just the pacing felt really good on that show um, at times. And, like, you know, I appreciate that because, you know, even a three-hour show can feel long if it's not laid out well. Oh, yeah. And how many how many pay-per-views have we seen? Uh, I, we The running joke for us a long time with UFC shows was uh, it wouldn't start until it was 15 minutes in. Yeah. Because well, you, they always do the bill. They always talk about the card. They always build up the first match, and the guys walk out, and then be 15 minutes in. There you go. Let's go. Yeah, and UFC shows, I mean, especially like the FS1 cards, used to be so horribly paced. Like Robert Winfrey, who does all of our UFC reports, that poor bastard, he talks about it all the time because the only thing worse than like the general FS1 shows are like the ultimate fighter finale shows <laughs> because they sit there and they have to show so much shit because nobody knows who half the guys are. Yeah. And then the show is like, by the time you get to the tough finals, which aren't even the main event, it's you're seven hours deep. And it's like, you know, shoot me now. Are they still doing the ultimate fighter now with the whole SPN deal or is that Kaputsky? I've heard different reports. I've heard they are. Or the, I heard they are, and then I heard they aren't, but are going to do something similar. Like, they may just – I don't see why they do it anymore because Dana White started the whole Dana White Contender Series on the <laughs> um, freaking UFC channel or whatever. Okay. And, like, so, like, there were, like, four or five fight cards with, you know, guys that aren't signed. And then the gimmick is if you do really good, you get signed. So what the fuck do you need Ultimate Fighter for? These are all the geeks that are going to try to get on the Ultimate Fighter anyway. Uh, exactly. And Lord knows ESPN, uh, ESPN has the rights to enough stuff anyway, as it is. <laughs> yeah. So, but Steve, I think that should about wrap us up unless you have something else you need to talk about. Not really, not really. It's been a good time, a great memory. And, uh, if this time where I plug all my stuff, I mean, you can yeah. follow me on Twitter at Steve cook eight, four, you can catch all my writing on 411mania.com. I got the, we do weekly, we do the botch column, we do the Magnificent 7 slash Top 7 column, and uh, occasionally I chime in with something else, like the Kofi Kingston deal, which should be up Monday or Tuesday. And then on the chairshot.com, I have a couple columns there a week, and I got the, this week will be a Top 5 uh, Overlooked Woman of Dice W, which I mentioned earlier. You remember the era of Dice W, like towards the end, where they brought in like they brought in like twenty women at the same time. Remember that? Vaguely. Yeah, they brought in a ton of women, like Tori Wilson, like Stacy Keebler, and I think I think they're just trying to compete with the Attitude Era pretty much by having a lot of tits and ass. Yep, but standards and practices wouldn't let them. Yeah, that, that's a, that's what Bischoff would tell you. I'm sorry, Russo. Russo. Russo, yeah, Russo. Standards and practices, bro. Bro. Yeah, Cut me so. off at the knees, man. That they yeah. did, but that's a good. That was also a good time, and hopefully we get all these thunders on network. I oh, good stuff, good stuff right there. But uh, yeah, and we don't have another pay per view. When's that WrestleMania? Is that the April seventh? Is that right? April seventh. All right, we got a couple weeks before then. Good. That's right. Good. Good. We like these Sundays off, don't we? We do. Yes. <laughs> So I would like to thank Steve for joining me and uh, getting the band back together for this week. You can follow the 411 Wrestling po- uh, 411 on Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, generally any podcasting platform, and YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. We've got enough subscribers now that we actually have our own uh, YouTube backslash 411mania um url now which is cool so uh make sure you follow us on uh you know subscribe and uh share us around on social media and thank you for listening